As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. We're back at it to kick off your week in hockey. It is the Monday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Meadows, Julian McKenzie with you. Uh, As always, here on the Monday edition of The Pod, Mark Lazarus is going to drop by. By the way, Laz is going to be a regular guest with us uh, from from time to time on the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. And in the next couple of weeks, every edition of the Athletic Hockey Show is going to be looking at a big storyline heading into the regular season. We thought Laz would be perfect because we're going to talk Chicago, the rebuild, Taves, Kane, all of that stuff. So uh, this is going to be a fun show as we finally, and Julian, we finally have some games to kind of sink our teeth into. I, I know they're, they're preseason games, but kind of feels like hockey's back now, finally. It does, man. Like, I got to watch uh, the Flames play against Vancouver and to be in the building. This is the first time I ever, I think yesterday was the first time I ever watched an NHL game of some sort in person that did not involve the Montreal Canadiens. It was, it was, it was a thrill. I was happy. It was nice. It, it doesn't matter if it's preseason. Maybe it's because I'm still in that glow of, 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 of being a, a new beat reporter, being around a team every day. 
but like I'm not I'm not bored yet. I'm not I'm not like oh man, it's just preseason. These games don't count. Like I'm excited at everything right now. Oh, awesome. Okay, let me write this down. 48 hours into the job, Julian McKenzie says he's not bored. <laughs> stuff. I, I love it. I love it. You're like man, it's been longer covered... than 48 hours. Well, no, no, but you covered what you're like I covered one game and the magic hasn't disappeared. <laughs> I love it. Oh, hey, what's the roasted. you said Okay, you've never you this was the first time you went to a game that didn't involve the Habs. What's the first game you ever went to as a kid? Like do you remember the first game NHL game you ever went to? Okay. So, this is a very wild story here. Yes. Um I had never been to an NHL game in person, uh, excluding, I guess, split squad or scrimmage games, until the year of our Lord, 2015. And the reason why that came to be was because I won a contest uh, with a network that uh, you used to work for, Sportsnet. They had this contest where they were looking for, like, uh, you know, some someone writing in journalism school or in university uh, either writing or doing video or basically participating in sports media. And if they won uh, the contest, they win like 10 grand and they could work as like a scholarship or something. So I won that contest. And a couple months after that, uh, the then Sportsnet president at the time, I know this sounds like bragging, but this is an incredible story for me. Um, Scott Moore. Then, yeah, Scott Moore, then president. Uh, we met up when he was in Montreal a couple months after that contest happened. And he was like, do you want to – do you want to watch this Canadians Bruins game? And I'm like, yeah, of course I want to watch this game. I had never been to a NHL game in my life, but all of a sudden I am going yeah. to watch this NHL game with the president of a major, you know, network sports yeah. network. Yeah. And like, I got to go like everywhere. Like we were watching the game in like a box at the bell center or I was at ice level at one point. I saw a goal go down. It was crazy. I got to watch the game from a production truck and I saw like PK Subban like have commit a turnover at the blue line. I think the Bruins scored off of that. Um, I'm trying to think of oh, we went into the broadcast booth at one point. Dave Randorf, who now works in Tampa Bay, was covering that game. This was the first time I ever watched an NHL game in my life, and I got to watch it from all these different vantage points. And I was spoiled as a University student, which is kind of sad considering, you know, as someone who's been into hockey as long as I've been into hockey. And, you know, it just it took me way too long to actually watch a game in person. That wasn't just something that like my parents could just like bring up money up for and be like, all right, we're yeah. going to go watch a game. It's expensive, especially in Montreal. So, yeah, it, it took me a long time. But like, yeah, it's only been like seven years. OK, so you're a university student watching an NHL game. You have aspirations of getting into this industry. While the game's going on, are you like doing the hard sell on Scott Moore? Like kind of trying to sell yourself? Or oh, yeah. do you, like do, do you remember like anything you said to him or, you know? That day, that day he asked me, uh, what job would you want to do in this industry? And without even thinking, I said, I want to host Hockey Night in Canada. Like and after I said it, I was like, Holy crap, I just said that like with with like no hesitation. He was like, oh, okay. All right. I, I still can't believe I said that like seven years after. And it's not yeah. too far off from what I would want to do in the future. But that is definitely something I said to him that day. And did he did he respond to you? Because I think uh, Strombo was in the host chair. Did he say, we got this guy on thin ice? <laughs> <laughs> Strombo, maybe we'll... Uh, we'll Doesn't wear we'll ties. 
Nah, he 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 was very nice about it. I, I think he had, I think he didn't mind the the confidence I showed that day. At that point, like I'm like I, I wasn't gonna. I, I don't know. Sometimes with some of those people who are in high ranking positions, I feel if I get a little too comfortable with them, with them, then I start to lose all the shyness and 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 starstruckness of the whole thing, and I get super comfortable. And I get super confident, and I guess sometimes it's a good thing. But I don't want to be all like buddy buddy pat on the back and all that but like yeah. i was gonna take advantage of that opportunity as, as a kid trying to get into the game and looking for any type of connections to help me get to that next level and honestly that that opportunity winning that contest i believe it was called uh uh sportsnet recruited uh that that literally has propelled me to where i am today man that helped that was a very good base i guess and on top of all the education i did and, and support for my family and, and friends and all that but uh yeah, I don't know where I'd be without that contest, and I don't know where I'd be um, without going to that game, uh, the first one of my of my life, uh, a Canadians Bruins game, and I believe the Bruins won that game. Yeah, man, I love that. Hey, listen, I'd love to hear from our listeners. Uh, you hit us up in the comments, like tell us about your first, like the first NHL game you ever went to, because everyone's got a great story. Mine isn't as good as yours because I didn't get to go with a president of a major network. Uh, yes. But I was only nine years old. I was nine years old. And we grew up, uh, well, I grew up at that point. I went to like the first uh, grades one through five. We lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And, but wow. yeah, I know. But my parents had immigrated to Canada in the, in the late 70s. Uh, and um, my dad fell in love. My dad was like an original bandwagon guy. So he comes to North America in the 70s. He, he becomes a Dallas Cowboys fan. Because Dallas was the America's team and, you know, Roger Staubach and the winning Super Bowls, all that stuff. And he became a Montreal Canadiens fan in hockey because they were a, a juggernaut, a dynasty, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, thank goodness he didn't come, like, a couple of years earlier. We would have been Philadelphia Flyers fans uh, growing up. But my dad got me tickets. The Canadians played the Red Wings. I was nine years old. It was Patrick Waugh's rookie season. Patrick oh. Waugh's rookie season and i didn't know anything about in fact i actually thought his last name was roy oh that's how you're one of those I, I didn't know like i didn't know and <laughs> but i remember i still remember i have the program from that game uh still in my uh archives there uh i i it was it was magical to me canadians won the game I think five to three. And every now and then I like to go back to a hockey reference. You can you can get the box score from any yep. game pretty much of all time. And it's kind of cool to go back and look at games you've attended. Um, you know, I as agree. a kid. I agree, man. I should probably go back to that box score for for my first game. I know it was 2015. I think it was November, I want to say, October or November, really early on. But now now when when we're when we're done this, I'm gonna go on, on hockey reference and find that game. Cause I don't know that 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 game means a lot to me. I would imagine that game meant a lot to you too. Yeah. Like, I love stuff like that. That's cool. Exactly. Our producer Chris Flannery, by the way, has jumped into our uh, internal chat. Said his first game ever was Jets Devils. Interesting. That's Brendan. that's the OG Jets too. But but yeah, that's the OG Jets, and this is the Devils. Not when they were at Continental Airlines Arena, but no. when it was called Brendan Burns. Arena. Brendan Byrne? Yeah. What? It was, yeah. Before the Devils used to play, and I think it was Continental Airlines Arena and had a couple of different corporate names. It was called the Brendan Byrne Arena. Who's Brendan Byrne? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's a great question. I think Paul, maybe Flannery, jump on here if you're, 
if you're able to, and tell us Big who Chris. Brendan Byrne is. He doesn't know. Yeah. He's going to look it up. I, I think he was like a politician in the area, maybe. Probably like represented know. Secaucus in the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Big, I don't know. Uh, Big, Big Chris uh, also said... Big Chris is saying that... Um, okay, you know what's funny? Brendan Byrne is a politician. Yeah, no, I, I did know that. I did know that he was I a politician. I did not know that. I thought Governor of New Jersey. There you go. 74 to 82. Uh, shout out New Jersey. Uh, shout out go. also Bob Asenza. That's who apparently was in net for the Jets that night. Bob Asenza. I Love I have it. no memories of Bob Asenza. He was oh. he was before my time. He was one of those guys that um, you know you you would debate is it Essenza or Asenza? It was one of those last names that you never quite you never quite knew. Anyway, well, I'd love to hear from people. Tell us about your first game. That you ever went through that you have a recollection of, you can hit us up on Twitter. You can, you know, slide into the comments there. We'd love, uh, love to hear from you. I want to know your first preseason game that you uh, covered on the weekend. Yes. For the listeners who don't know, it's a little bit of a. Uh, we talked about this last week. It's a little bit of a precarious walk to the press box at the uh, the Saddle Dome in Calgary. So this is your first time experiencing it. You did post a video. I don't know if you posted it to Twitter. I know you posted it to. Uh, your Instagram account. Yes. Yes. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit, I don't know. What's the word? Scary. It's scary. But here's the thing. So um, from my vantage point, uh, there's like a couple steps you have to walk up before you get to essentially a bridge suspended near the top of the uh, Scotiabank saddle dome. And if you look down from where I was walking, you're basically seeing all the fans below you sitting in the stands. At least in my, for me, you're just walking along a couple of feet and then you have a row of seats and places where the media could sit. However, if you want to get to the broadcast booth, that is on the other side of the rink. And it's not as if like, you know, you're up in the air and there's all this like floor and stuff and you could just walk along to the other side. Right. You basically have to cut through the press box and then walk through another bridge, which is suspended above the ice, and like loop around before you get to the other side. Like it like I, I, I took a bit a mini video of that for myself just from a distance. I did not walk that part of the catwalk yet, but that looked scary to me. At the first intermission of that preseason game, I got up and my right foot like went asleep had gone to sleep from sitting down as long as I did. And I was walking with a foot that was still like asleep. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like, I was just like looking around and just see like, okay, like, like I, I hope like, I don't like make one false move or something. And I know they have little like, um, railings. yeah, railings on, on the side. side. Yeah. But like, still like you're looking down one false move. My, I kept up. Like I, I tried doing the video and I was afraid. Like, what if I just like, I don't know, like my phone, like falls Drop your off. Phone. Yeah. Drop my phone and it just like hits someone in the head. Like, what if I had a coffee and I spill like oops and then it just like flies over and hits someone in the stands? I don't know how people do it. I was like talking to like an attendant around there and he's like, Yeah, man, it's a it's a bit of a I think he said precarious too. Like it, it was a bit of an interesting walk. It's it's nuts. Yeah. No, it's uh it's unique. I, you know, I did something this weekend too that I have never done. I yes. covered a double header. Oh, how the did that go? The Senators and the Leafs played a straight-up doubleheader. Now, granted, uh, split squads, meaning wasn't obviously the same same players playing the same game. I had never done this before. 
I had never experienced this where two franchises play two games in the same city on the same day, obviously different, different lineups. Uh, I think DJ Smith, uh, Senator's head coach was real tired of us by the end of the day because he did three media sessions with us. He did wow. one before the first game. He did one after the first game and he did one after the second game. So like, you know, by the time you get to the third media session, he's like, yeah, I, I've had enough of you. Um, yeah. He's like, answered anyway, all, all the possible questions you could ask. Yeah. But it was totally different lineups, right? Like, so two different games. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's some merit to it. I, I made sure I asked all the broadcasters. I'm like, hey, are you able to invoice for two games or is this one game? They're like, ah, this is two games. This is two games. I, I needed to know, my, you know, satisfy my curiosity. Do people get paid? But it, there was a weird amount of time in between. So the first game, Ottawa-Toronto played at 1 o'clock, ended at like 3.30. And then the second game started at 7. So, you know, you kind of had two and a half hours in between. And what I would love to know is did anybody buy tickets for both games and show up yeah. to both games? I, I would imagine so, but that's a lot, like that's a lot of preseason hockey to subject yourself to. I mean, that depends on how much money you're spending on those preseason games too. What I'm interested about is for all the media members who were there for both of those games, um, like, did you stay in the arena? Did, what was the eating situation like? I, like that's you, what I'm curious about. Uh, they they did offer food. There was food available. Uh, Jonas okay. Siegel uh, went home in between games. I was wondering. Home. Some people would. Haley Salvian left to go feed uh, Bono the dog. <laughs> in between, Bono I don't has even to get think fed. she came back for the second game. But I think it's because she was doing a feature on someone in the first game, so it didn't matter. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was it was interesting. A unique way to do hockey to me, a double header, right? Because when you think double header, you think of of baseball. Yes. Right. Could you, okay. Here's a question. Could you sit through a doubleheader of baseball? Like where you're just a fan, you go to two games or is that too much? Is that too much? I could do it. I think baseball games, if you're there and you're with like either, I don't know, like a good set of buddies or like you're on a date with somebody, you want to be with them. Like, I think the idea of hanging out at a baseball game oh. is one of the most fun experiences in the world. I love Hold that on. Idea. A day it this has to be fairly deep into the relationship. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, be yeah. Going not a first date. On one no, of the first, first six date. dates to a double header. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You have to be comfortable with that person. Like you like is, could you imagine the first time you meet somebody and you have the brilliant idea to go on a double header? And they end up being this miserable person. And you have to sit through at least 18 innings. At least. And then not only that, imagine like here comes the tarp and there's like a rain delay. Oh, no. And if you bought those seats in a pretty good area, I don't know if you're trying to leave early. I get traffic is a thing, but like, oof, you, you you get yourself some seats behind the dugout. And like, you're like, man, I don't want to leave early and call this date off. But I would, I think, man, I think I would rather do a doubleheader of hockey than a doubleheader of baseball, even though baseball, you know, the the atmosphere would be better. You're outside, right? But at least you know definitively when the games will end. Yes. In hockey. You know, they're going to run two hours, 45 minutes, whatever, give or take 10 minutes either side. That's it. Baseball, you could be there, you know. For nine hours. <laughs> Ten hours. That's too much. 
It could be two about, days, really. Or maybe not yeah. two days, but like it's it's it could go it could go really extra innings, bro. Yeah. Extra innings. Eighteen's <laughs> enough. Nine is probably enough. Uh, before Laz jumps on here shortly, I want to ask yes. you about Eric. Eric Stevens late last week uh, had a story. Uh, Eric, of course, covers um, uh, Southern California for us, and the Anaheim Ducks are going to wait until after this season to work on an extension with their young superstars. So they got some really good young players, right? Troy Terry had a breakout year last year. Uh, he can become an RFA at the end of the year. Jamie Drysdale, really good young defenseman. But Trevor Zegris is the one, right? Like Zegris has that it factor. And I'm curious what you think. Here's the quote from Pat Verbeek, basically saying that he's not going to make an effort to extend any of the guys until after the season. Here's the quote. Uh, we're going to wait until after um, until the season goes. That's the that way the players don't have a distraction. Gives the players a full year to kind of just concentrate on playing hockey. Then at the appropriate time, we'll talk with the agents and do what we got to do. And I don't know. Like I, I see some Ottawa got out in front of it with Tim Stutzla. Uh, you know, Jack Hughes has his deal done. I would think Zegris comes in somewhere in there that eight times eight. Like, does this really have to be that? Do we think it's going to be that complicated? I mean, it shouldn't be that complicated. And also, Pat Verbeek runs the risk of all three of those players having, like, maybe they play above their skin this year. And then you're in a situation where they might ask for more than, I mean, in Trevor Zegers' case, for example, maybe he asks for more than the eight by eight. Like, I guess that's the risk you run. I know the Ducks are not expected to be this like front runner in the Pacific division. But with young talent, especially as dynamic as players like Trevor Zegers can be, like the goal is to have them signed early on. So that way you're not over. I mean, maybe not overpaying is the right word, but you're not paying more than you need to for those guys. So that I guess would be the biggest risk out of it, as opposed to getting it done this past off season. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I know the ducks as well. Eric wrote about this. That you know, look, they've had a um, a long-serving captain there, right? In in Ryan Getzloff for a long, mm-hmm. long time, and now it looks like they're they're pretty comfortable, kind of going without a captain. And I, you know, I you've seen this obviously in Montreal. You saw this uh, as you were just leaving there. Like you know, you got to make a decision on who's going to be your face of your franchise. I guess the Ducks are just going to say, hey, just no need to rush into this thing. Let's kind of. Wait and see how it plays itself out, right? What, what do you think of this? Like, I mean, I don't, I mean, I am not going to act as if I know Trevor Zegris's leadership qualities that closely. I still am of the opinion that, like, if you have a guy, like, young enough and you don't have to name him captain right away, you don't have to do it right away. I know in Montreal they did that with Nick Suzuki. He is a very mature kid. And, you know, inevitably, he, I think he was going to be the captain anyway. Um, but I think if you're in a position where you don't have to thrust more pressure onto a guy who's still getting their bearings in, in the national hockey league, I don't necessarily yeah. think you have to do that. So if Trevor Zegers ends up being the captain, they need in Anaheim. Sure. But like, I don't feel like Pat for needs to rush into that necessarily. Plus in the locker room. I mean, you, I think, I mean, I guess it depends on the leadership contingent for certain places and the veterans that they have. I remember asking this to, I guess it's a different situation in Calgary, but I remember asking this to Tyler Toffoli a couple of days ago, just like, you know, 
we make such a big deal about who should be captain on this team and who should be wearing the C, who should be wearing the A. And depending on the locker room that you have, you might have all these different guys who have been leaders at different points throughout their careers. And like the, the letters are just letters. It doesn't really matter to them who's got the C or the A because anyone can be a leader and anyone can do that. I guess it's different in situations like in Anaheim where you have younger players and they're still trying to find themselves. Um, but at the same time, like, considering all the bodies that are there, considering the fact that hockey's this team sport where you have all these different people who can step up at different points, not to mention you do have your forwards, your defensemen, your goalies. You, you essentially need leaders at every position, and even if it is just three position groups. So, you know, I'm starting to realize with the whole captain thing, like, okay, this guy has a C, but does that make him necessarily the guy above everybody else? No, it doesn't It doesn't do that. So if Trevor Zegers even gets it, like, it's just more symbolic than anything. That's not going to stop a guy like Troy Terry from being a leader if he gets to that point, or Jamie Drysdale once they've ascended to that point. Um, isn't Kevin Shattenkirk still on that team? I'm trying to remember if he is on that team or not. Um, well, John Klingberg is there, and that's a well, guy John who's... Cl- who's oh, man, he's a classic, though. He's a... He's there for the year, isn't he? Like, don't you feel like yes. he's going to be the classic get moved out of the de- – in fact, when we yes. did our uh, piece last week kind of looking at all 32 teams in the league, who's the most likely candidate to get traded? John Klingberg was the guy from Anaheim. It almost felt like with them being in the rebuild, like the whole point of him coming in was just to flip him out. Yes. like, And for yes. him, it's a great opportunity to come and play some big minutes – Help out a young team, and then when the time is right, when you're likely not in a playoff spot, you move them out, right? Yes, but at the same time, if he's going to be there, like I, I would expect him to be, to be professional and for him to contribute to the team when he can, and not just kind of put him, make himself some kind of outcast. But like, listen to look at this roster. Adam Henrique is there. He's played in the league for how many years? Uh, Jacob Jakob Silverberg is on that team as well. Maxime Comtois has played a little while in the National Hockey League as well. Uh, Cam Fowler has been, is 30 years old on that team. And yes, Kevin Shattenkirk is on that team. Uh, John Gibson has, has tried to hold this franchise together for the last little while in net. You know, it, it, there are guys on that team, even if they give Trevor Zegers the C, who, you know, they could be looked at as leaders. It, I mean, we, we, make, we have made such a big deal about the captaincy thing for so long on every single franchise. We're starting to realize that, like, players, I don't know if players really care all that much about having the C or an A and all that, especially if they're in a locker room where there are so many leaders and who are able to voice their opinion and do this whole leadership thing by committee. It's, it's, I know I kind of like rambled a little bit there, but like, if, if they give it to Zegers, if they give it to somebody, like, I don't think it's going to matter all that much. But I guess it depends on the composition of the roster at the time. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, tell you what, Julie, this is a perfect segue. We're talking about Anaheim and maybe looking at uh, the captaincy in the future. And we're talking about John Klingberg being a likely candidate to be traded. When we uh, wrote that piece collectively with The Athletic last week, if you had to look at the list of players that you're like, I'm pretty sure that guy is going to get traded. John Klingberg would be on that list, but I think Patrick Kane might be number one on the most likely to be traded at some point this season. Let's bring in, as we talked about off the top of the show, Mark Lazarus. It's going to be great to have Laz kind of jumping in from time to time on the Monday edition of the podcast this season. So great to have you on board. How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing. Am I betraying my country by not being on the Custance and Gentilly show here? I don't. I don't know the protocol here by being a an American on the Canadian side. Ah, we we need the flavor. You know what? We don't see borders. <laughs> That's the way. I'm on a low sodium diet. Place. There's no flavor anywhere to be found these days. Yeah, I saw. What, yeah. I, <laughs> what What is this? Like, I saw you tweeting about this. Like, so what's the deal? Like, what's the restrictions on I don't what you know. can and can't I, eat? I can't eat anything. Apparently, anything. Any, if I have one grain of salt, my heart and brain are both going to explode at the same time. So uh, I live in this flavor-free existence right now. It's 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 pretty brutal. That's That sounds really, like, does that mean, like, no seasoning on your food? Like, what does that mean? You could see, I'm, I'm putting smoke paprika on everything just as an attempt to get something out of something. When you put, uh, you, you'd have a no-salt turkey sandwich on no-salt bread, and you'll question your will to go on at that point. What's that, 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 is it Mrs. Dash? Can you use that? I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm down so many rabbit holes on trying <laughs> to find flavor that I am in corners of the internet that I didn't know even existed. That Somebody help Laz out. Uh, one of our listeners will help weird. you out. Help him out with some <laughs> non-sodium related seasonings. It's kind of my, my wife suggested, she goes, you know, I hear MSG isn't actually that bad for you. That's where we've uh... come to. We're looking to add MSG <laughs> to my food. <laughs> Can you imagine being in a press box, an NHL press box, and not be able to have any salt? Yeah, no popcorn That's all it is, is salt up there. That's yeah. true. <laughs> hot no dogs, hot dogs. popcorn. Yeah. You're going to have to Chips. eat like all the, like bring like a bag for yourself. <laughs> That's what I've been doing to, to training camp every day. I've been bringing a little thermos full of grilled chicken. Oh my God. All I was just going to say real quick is that uh, <laughs> to your point about wondering if you're betraying your country or not, if uh, Ian and I ever get into another bet with Custance and Gentilly uh, that involves patriotic pride, I'm making the oh. executive decision here. You get to be on the winning side of that bet when we win again, because oh, how about I get to pick whether which side I want to be? I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not yeah. locked in with okay. those guys. Yeah. All right, fine. All I, right. I, I All really right. don't well, trust Gentilly's. Uh, uh, you know, well, any decision making by Gentilly, frankly. Look, man, yeah. you can make the pick that you want, but uh, last I checked, uh, Mendez and McKenzie are the winning side. Here. <laughs> there we go. All right, oh Canada, baby. Yes, um, sir. So listen, we we uh, in the next couple of weeks on the Athletic Hockey Show, every show is going to look at kind of the 10 biggest storylines coming into this season. And we thought this is a great way to get you kind of into the Monday show is Chicago is a really compelling team and had another interesting offseason, shall we say. And what's the – like, have you been around – I know you and, and uh, Scott Powers kind of share the duties there. So not, you're not at camp necessarily every day, but uh, – can you give us a sense of kind of what the the feeling is in Chicago around uh, around the opening of Chicago's uh, training camp? I'll tell you, the feeling in Chicago is not one of compelling. Uh, the this is uh, it's more of a sense of dread from everyone in this city about how awful this season's going to be. I mean, we all know the Blackhawks are tanking, right? 
there is a lot of intrigue in what's going to happen with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. I mean, you know, just a few years ago, it would have been unfathomable for both of them, for either of them to go to another team and wear another sweater. But now we're at a point where it's almost unfathomable that they would both stay, which is just, that's how bad and dramatic things have gotten in the wake of just everything that's gone on in the last year and a half on and off the ice, but mostly just on the ice because they're trying to start from scratch. They want to start, you know, they ripped the bandaid off. They traded Alex to They traded Brandon Hagel. They're just acquiring draft picks. Kyle Davison is dead set on making this team at bottom out. Get Connor Bedard. If you can, if not, you can get one of the other two guys up there. There's, there's a top three this year. So you, if you finish last, you're guaranteed one of those, you know, elite uh, supposedly generational top three picks and start from there. Uh, as for T- Kane and Taves, it, it's all in their hands, right? They have full no movement clauses. They're in the last year of their contract. They're clearly not negotiating extensions right now. Neither of them, I don't think, necessarily expects to be here beyond this year. But the question is, will they even be here at the end of this season? Because they have the no movement clause, and if things get so bad here, right now they're in wait and see mode, right? They want to be like, all right, you know, we like this Luke Richardson guy. Let's just see how bad things are. Let's see if we can stomach this. And if things are real bad, maybe we ask our way out. Because Kyle Davidson does not want to be the guy who pushes them out the door. He wants them to open the door themselves so he doesn't have to be that guy. I have a question. So Patrick Kane, all this offseason, we've seen reports of him being linked to this team. Or There's no reports. Team. No reports. You've nope. seen Sorry. people throwing crap against the wall That's in very a desperate fair. effort to get clicks in mid-August. That is actually very fair. I shouldn't <laughs> legitimize all of those reports. I mean, consider I mean, you should know if something was going on. But look, Patrick Kane is still playing at a very high level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there would be look, there are going to be teams who would go for him. What is the mark? What would the market be like for Jonathan Taze? We know him as a leader, but with health issues and, and his production over the last year, it is not the same as what we are accustomed to with Jonathan Taze, and he has that cap hit at 10 and a half. So what would you envision the market being like for Jonathan Taze when it comes time, if it comes time for Kyle Davidson to move on from him? It's going to be fascinating. Like you said, Kane, Kane is, he's still one of the world's best players and he will be for years to come. He is worth the first round pick without question. But Taves, I, I sat down with Taves, I think it was at the end of July to talk about his future. And he basically said, look, I got no trade value right now. If I don't play well, I have no trade value. So then none of this matters at that point. And he's right. I mean, he's very well aware of that. But the second half of last season, Jonathan Taves was pretty darn good. He was starting to look like himself again. Remember, he missed that entire year because of health issues that were triggered by COVID. He was, you know, couldn't get out of bed for days at a time. I mean, he was in real bad shape. And so he didn't have his legs for the first, you know, two, three, four months of the season. But then it started to come to him a little bit and he started feeling good. And I think that's why he's so excited about this year is he thinks he can still be somebody. And if he goes out there and he looks like Jonathan Taze and he can score, you know, 20 goals and he's still a, a good defensive player who wins 60% of his faceoffs and kills penalties, someone will take him. I mean, he'll have to be laundered twice. You'll have to, you know, there'll be, have to be a third team in there because, you know, the, the, the Hawks can uh, maintain half his salary, but that's not going to be enough. They're going to need a third team involved and that'll be easy enough to do. Um, I, I think that he could be moved. I, here's the thing. Everyone is assuming that Kane's gone and that Taves is untradeable. I think it's kind of the other way around. Don't underestimate really? don't underestimate how badly a coach would want Jonathan freaking Taves as his third line center for a cup run, given everything that he's accomplished. They love guys like him, a captain, rings in the room, you know, the leader, all that stuff. Kane, I am not convinced Patrick Kane wants to leave. Jonathan Taves has said on the record to me, he said, look, I don't want to be here. If this is a five-year rebuild, that's not appetizing to me at all. Patrick Kane won't say that, and he keeps dancing around it. 
Patrick Kane really, really, really wants to stay. I really honestly believe he is looking, this is just my read on the situation and talking to people around the team. He's looking for a reason to stay, not to leave. Taves is kind of looking for a reason to go, not to stay. And I could see it. I could see a couple of situations. I could see one, what Scott proposed in his last story is that Patrick Kane does get traded at the deadline, but he's re-signed in the offseason, comes back to Chicago on a, on a sweetheart deal because he wants to break every record in the Blackhawks book, right? He wants to be a lifelong Blackhawk. He wants to pass Dan Makita and Bobby Hull, and all that's within his sights. I don't know that he wants to go live that mercenary life. And when you've already won three Stanley Cups, yes, it whets your appetite for more, certainly. And these guys desperately miss that stuff. It's been five, six years since they played in any kind of game like that. But at the same time, he doesn't need it, right? He's not Ray Bork chasing a cup. He could just say, hey, I've got a three cups. I've got an MVP. I've got a uh, Conn Smythe. And I could spend the rest of my career becoming the greatest Blackhawk of all time. I think that appeals to him. He's a Hall of Famer already. Yeah. Oh, he's already the best. He's the best American player ever. I mean, Austin Matthews might pass him someday. But right now, he is the best American-born player of all time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely he is. Most accomplished. And you're right. When when it's all said and done, when he's... Hangs it up. Uh, his resume will be better than any American-born player, you know, pending what whatever Austin Matthews can do. By the way, I love. I think we need to trademark this for the um, uh, the, the 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 Monday show. The fact that you dropped in Jonathan Taves needs to be laundered twice. Like it's cleaning <laughs> money. Like it's. Is like, it, is, isn't that what retaining salary is? Yeah, it's just it's just laundering needs- a player. Yeah, it needs to be laundered two times. We got. I watched. Yeah, money. I've been watching Ozark and Better Call Saul. You know, Liz laundering on the mind. Exactly. Um, <laughs> is there anybody else? Like we have, we're hyper focused on uh, Taves and Kane. They obviously moved Alex to Brinkett in the offseason. Is there anybody else that you look at in that Chicago roster? And like, yeah, you know what? If they're going to complete the the fire sale, this guy might be on the way out too. Well, it would in theory be Seth Jones, but A, Seth Jones, I don't think is tradable. He's just entering the first year of an eight-year deal worth nine and a half or nine, seven, five. I I forget. It's a lot of money. Nine and a half, I think it is. Um, And I'm not sure that that's a movable contract. You can't eat salary for eight years. So I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, And looking around, where else? uh, Who's that appetizing? Tyler Johnson? Maybe somebody we want like a Tyler Johnson. They acquired Max Domi. They they signed Domi and Andreas Athanasiu, Jack Johnson, all in hopes of flipping them at the deadline. You know, those guys can go play big minutes, resurrect their careers a little bit, uh, make a little money in the offseason. The Hawks can get a second or third round pick. That's the goal right now, but they're, they're at the bottom. It's Taves, Kane, and there's nothing really left to scrape at the bottom of that barrel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, Max Domi could be that. I mean, three million is not the worst salary. No, Domi Domi's a thirty goal scorer. Thanasiu is the fastest guy in the league, and he was like a twenty nine goal scorer. These guys, these are smart signings by the Hawks. They're they're good enough to keep you like you know mildly competitive, and they can play major roles. And maybe they do. And for them, you know, it, it gives them a chance to play a top six role. One of them's gonna Max Domi centering Patrick Kane right now. He's gonna put up some numbers this year. And if he does that, you know, the Hawks get a first or second round pick I've had at the deadline and Max Domi goes to a contender and he makes some money in the offseason. It's a, it's a smart play. Um, Off of what you've seen so far uh, in, in Hawks camp, how's Luke Richardson doing? You know, I, I, I like him because his practices are like 35 minutes <laughs> long. It's great. I mean, oh. it's uh, he's, he's, he's definitely got more of that Joel Quenville style of practice where it's let's be really efficient. We're moving at all times. Um, the players seem to like him a lot. He's a, He's an intense guy, but he's also... Got that, you know, I was a player for 21 years. I know what you guys need and don't need. I'm not going to waste your time. And that's something that I think Jeremy Colleton struggled with at times is he was in the league for like 50-something games and he, he played, 
but he didn't have that like lengthy career where he knows how to treat veterans. Uh, so, so Taves is certainly, he's fully on board with Richardson. He likes him a lot. Um, so far so good. I mean, there's always a honeymoon, right? I mean, it's like the Chicago bears every year they get a new coach and everyone falls for it. The first three games of the season, by the end of the year, we're calling for his head. So, you know, Luke Richardson's got a fascinating job because who has less pressure than Luke Richardson, right? This is a first time NHL coach in an original six, huge market. And nobody expects him to do anything. He's, he's expected to lose. Like they want him to lose and he's got a four year contract. That's unusual for a first time coach. So he's got no pressure at all, but how do you, how do you do that? I mean, this is a hyper competitive guy and how he handles the losing is going to be fascinating to watch. Before we let you go here. Um, now you're a New York giants fan, right? Yeah. 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 I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Let, let's hang up now. All right. Are are two done. squads? They're I'm hooking up, back. Julian, for Monday Night Football. <laughs> Maybe we need to make this a little bit interesting. Oh God, the Giants you are the know? worst. The Giants are the worst two and O team I've ever seen. I have <laughs> no faith in this team whatsoever to win anything. Yeah. But yeah. You know, it's not like the Cowboys are like uh, you know exactly hair on fire like, right now. Feels like a flip of the coin. This feels like that eleven to ten night. game last night with the Broncos. Oh my, and the, that was oh awful. God. Okay, that was awful. Awful. Like, I could, I, I could, I could definitely see Daniel Jones just accidentally wandering out of the back of the end zone. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I love that Dan Orlovsky tweet, which like, <laughs> it was, like, it was instantaneous. Instantaneous. Yeah. He was watching I, I the same thing too. <laughs> yeah, you tell us, Julie. Do we need to make this game interesting? Maybe we do something, yes. and then there's a bet. Yes, I think I, you I'm guys game. should. I have I'm no. Sh- I, I can't in. be shamed. I have no shame. So. Uh, I don't know if you want to make uh, Laz do the the Canadian anthem, or if we can no, find gosh, it. no singing. This isn't <laughs> no. There, there can't be singing. Okay, fine. It was either that or some Carly Rae Jepsen song. Um, oh God, <laughs> Carly we'll Rae Jepsen's a national treasure. Yeah, we'll think of something for. Well, you will, for this we'll, we'll think of also. Yeah. Also, I should mention. I so, just don't want to turn yeah. this into Skip Bayless situation. All right. No, oh, yeah. no. We, we'd have to maintain our dignity here. Is all yeah. I'm saying. No, exactly. we don't have to do that. So Giants fan, Cowboys fan, and I'm unfortunately a Jets fan. So three different fans. You're a Jets fan. I'm a Jets fan. I am I'm always fascinated by how Canadians adopted NFL teams because so many of you are Cowboys, at least hockey writers in general. I don't want to yeah. generalize. But a lot of our Cowboys are, fans are Bills but fans. Th- but then you got Arpin Basu, who's like this diehard Dolphins, Dolphins fan. How the You're hell does Dolphins that fan. happen? I have no idea. And Julie, how, are you a, how are you a Jets fan? Okay, here's the story. I mean, well, <laughs> it's still a bit incomplete because there's a very big detail missing. Um, as a hand-me-down, I don't know where I got it from, but as a hand-me-down, I had a New York Jets Vidi Testa Verde jersey, oh, and man. I would wear oh. that all over, oh. and I just adopted them so young. as my NFL team. It would have been someone my age. It would be like Ken O'Brien or someone like that. Freeman oh. McNeil. <laughs> Freeman oh. McNeil, yes. Good Lord. <laughs> but yeah, I just haven't, I haven't broke myself to leave yet. Good thing you didn't get a Vinny Testaverde Browns jersey. Let me just put it that way. Any quarterback ever Browns are. jersey. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. Hey, but and before we let you go, Laz, we, uh, Julian and I talked about this earlier because I cover, uh, covered a doubleheader on the weekend. Sens and Leafs played two games, same, same building, uh, split squad, but uh, 1 o'clock and 7 o'clock. Would Mark Lazarus rather watch Two hockey games on the same day, doubleheader in hockey or a doubleheader in, in Major League Baseball? Oh, God. I'm a baseball guy. I would, I, yeah. I, I would, because I would rather cover a doubleheader of hockey. I don't ever want to write about baseball, but 
I, I would I, I would sit through I sit through a double header at the ballpark any day of the week. You couldn't absolutely. Yeah. We said the out the atmosphere was better outside, like all that. But I the the thing I that worries me is like the the potential of like an extra inning game. In well, that's one of that's them. why I never want to cover baseball because you get to yeah. the ballpark and you have no idea when you're going to leave. Especially when I was a newspaper guy, like you have to have a plugger, a story ready just in case this, the game ended after deadline. Literally every single day of the season. Oh when I was, God. you know, when, when you're a, a hockey writer, you only got to do that when you go out West. I can't imagine <laughs> just like, and I, and again, <laughs> the, the, the ghost runner rule, which is horrible, has made this kind of moot. The games don't go seven hours anymore. But like, as a fan, I love extra inning baseball. And as a writer, I would hate it so much that I, it would just sour me on it. So no, I just, no, no thanks. Wait a minute. We might as well uh, ask you, when was the first, what was the first NHL oh, yeah. game you ever went to? We started off the show that way. We might as well yeah. get yours. First NHL game I ever went to. God, I don't even remember. It was definitely an Islanders game at Nassau Coliseum. I can tell you that. Um, I I want to say it was actually, this is, it might have been against, remember when those Russian barnstorming teams used to come, like Moscow Dynamo? Yeah. Would come through, or like the Red Stars. I think it was one of those games. I think that might be the first hockey oh. game I saw, like in the late 80s. When I was like, you know, eight or nine years old, I think I saw the Islanders host the Moscow Dynamo at Nassau Coliseum. I think that might have been oh, the first game wow. I went to. Wow. That's I mean, this was I'm, I'm sure I went to games when I was like four or five years old, but I don't remember, you know, anything when I was like, I was born in 1980. I grew up an Islanders fan. I was born in 1980. Islanders won the cup when I was two months old and then the next three years. I don't remember any of those, obviously, because I was too young. All I knew was 30 years of pain and misery and awfulness. And then I lose my fandom because I start covering hockey and the Islanders get good again. I'm just saying the hockey gods are cruel. Yeah. You, <laughs> you got your David Volick moment. That's I enough. Did. That is. The Giants won four Super Bowls in my lifetime. Uh, the Mets won the World Series when I was six. I do remember the Bill Buckner play. But the greatest sports memory of my childhood is Dave Volick scoring against the Penguins. Yeah. and I, A second round victory. I don't want to hear from Maple Leafs fans how tortured they are. The greatest moment of my life was a second round victory. <laughs> Scored by the least popular guy in the team that everybody wanted to trade all year long. And didn't it take like 27 years for them to get to the second round after that too? Yeah, it was uh, John Tavares. When John Tavares. Florida. In uh, over Florida. That, that's when I knew my fandom had died. I was watching that in the playoffs. I was covering a Blues uh, Blackhawks series. I was in a hotel in St. Louis at the St. Louis Grand watching that Islanders game at, at the hotel bar. And John Tavares scored and I felt nothing. And I was so sad that I felt oh. nothing. Because yeah, I look, man. look, I love hockey more than I ever did. Like it's my, it's my life. It's my story. It's my work. It's everything. But I don't have that individual fandom anymore. That's what this job does to you. I think most of us can agree with that. So to watch that and feel nothing and just to text my dad who was all excited, I was like, man, this sucks. <sighs> Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't expect the, the podcast to end on a sad note. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. How many people can tell I you the moment it. their fandom died? I can. Yeah. Yeah. Exact moment it died. Time of death. All right. Hey, Laz, this was great. Looking forward to, like I said, having you on uh, on a pretty regular basis on the Monday uh, yeah. edition of the uh, the Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks for this. Have a great week and uh, go Cowboys. Oh, oh, excuse me. I just threw up in my mouth. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at Fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, always great to get uh, Mark Lazarus uh, on the, the pod. And yeah, the, the only t- it's funny he says that because, look, I grew up a diehard, diehard Montreal Canadiens fan as a kid. Minute I joined this industry, that fandom, unfortunately, uh, put on the back burner. And now I find like I cheer for players that I get to know more so than teams. Like I, le- I love it when you see good things happening to good people. Uh, so that's kind of what I, I cheer for now. But the only team I really cheer for in sports is the Dallas Cowboys. And I know exactly now that I've we said let's make this interesting Monday Night Football. I know exactly what's going to happen. The Cowboys will lose in humiliating fashion, and I'm going to have to do something. Uh, yeah, we still have to figure out like what will make you do or what you know what I think should do. I should be what? allowed if the if Dallas beats the Giants at a, on a week of my choosing, I get the week off the podcast. Laz has to co-host with you. Like just give Why me, you, you know what I mean? on the podcast like a punishment. I like doing the show with you. Wow. Okay, I see I'm how it is. To get out, I'm trying to get Jesus, out of work. Is okay. what I'm trying to do. Getting out of work. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Hey, whoever wins this game gets a week off from doing the podcast with this twerp who yeah. just ended up on the podcast. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The Monday exactly. show just sucks. Monday. Yeah. I, I didn't. Yeah. You know, I didn't say. I, maybe I was referring to the Thursday show. I didn't. I didn't specify. Oh, so you're gonna show, you're gonna you're you gonna know? dump on your boy Sean McIndoe? and then and then maybe as a, a reciprocal agreement, maybe I have to write an article about Chicago at you some point. Back. Laz is like, yeah, I don't feel like writing today. <laughs> Mendez owes me one. I got to do a deep dive on Max Domi's analytics. His underlying what numbers. About, what about um just whoever wins uh. And a loser has to wear like a like a the jersey of the other team. Like if you if the Cowboys okay, lose, so where am I gonna go? I have to go get a Giants jersey. Like where am I getting jersey? This? It could be a jersey. You don't like the jersey? Where, no, <laughs> where am I getting this from? I have to go Fanatics? buy one. I don't know. I'm not buying. Okay, forget this. You know what? Oh my god! Okay, you, well, this well, is well listeners can listeners can hit us up. Give us a good idea for the bet. And we'll 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 make good on it. You are not we'll above wearing an Eli Manning jersey in Mendez. Oh, does it have to be a current? Oh no, yeah, perfect. Eli Manning is perfect. If it's not a current member of the Giants, I'm good. Okay, well, actually, now I want to see you wear me, a Daniel Jones jersey. Give me a Lawrence Taylor kind of, you know, Phil yeah. Sims. <laughs> give me one of those guys. <laughs> Do they even make sh- – when did jerseys start coming into the world? Like early 2000s? Like there, I, there was no Phil Simms jerseys. I don't know. I don't know if you could get one at the Giants team store or something. Like uh, I would love – like I love those obscure – like I would love – if I was an Islanders fan, I'd love to walk around with a David Volek jersey. People be like, that guy's legit. That's a legit fan right there. Back when I was a Montreal right? Canadiens fan, one of the first jerseys I ever received was a PK Subban jersey, and like it's too small for me now, but I I treasured that thing. I, I was hoping you were going to say it was like one of the Kostitsin brothers. 
Nah. <laughs> Wait, which was the, one of them was better than the other? Who Andre was better? better than Sergey? Andre was better than Sergey. Andre was better than Sergey. Andre was a top ten pick in 03. Okay. And, and okay. Sergey, the only highlight I can remember from Sergey was not even as a Montreal Canadiens player. There was a game, it was like Edmonton, Nashville, where um like the play it was like the, like think that the Oilers are leading some kind of like breakout like into the offensive zone. And Kostitsin, Sergey Kostitsin is like trailing behind the play. He should be chasing the forward, but he decides to take he decides to make a line change as the Oilers are going up the ice. And you could see everyone on the Predators bench like be up in arms, like, no, Guy, like it's no. going the other way. And the Oilers scored on that play. Like that is Sergey Kostitsin's Career NHL highlight. You can find that on YouTube. He is doing a line change as the play is entering his own defensive zone. He's like, all right, nah, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a shift off. I'm good. Oh, my gosh. Man. Anyway. Hey, let's let's wrap up, as we always do on the Monday episode, with a uh, multiple choice question for you and the listeners and, and me to, to kind of sink our teeth into. I'm going to list off the four teams that made the playoffs last year as wild card entries, right? There's three division or kind of divisional teams, but each conference has two wild card teams. I want to know which wild card team from last season are you the most certain they're going to be back in the playoffs this year? So the four teams are Washington, Boston, Dallas, and Nashville. Who are you most certain is going to be back in the playoffs again? Dallas, I mean... They just made it last year. Boston, there's something about that team this year with all the injury. I mean, Brad Marchand's not going to be playing for a little while. Um, I still think they might do a bit of a drop. So it's really, and I, look, I'm open to being wrong. It's okay. Um, so it's really down to Washington and Nashville for me. I think Nashville, even though they were dusted in the first round against Colorado last year, UC Soros had a pretty good year. I think UC Soros could be in for another really good year. But also Washington has Darcy Kemper and Alexander Ovechkin. They still have guys who, like, their window of making the playoffs is still very much a thing. Um, and I mean, Nashville just got Ryan McDonough, too. And I get he's in the latter stage of his career, but that's a guy who knows how to play through the playoffs. I'm going to say Nashville. Nashville's going to be my pick for the uh, the multiple choice. You know what's funny about Nashville is they're they're kind of sneaky this way. Do you know that Nashville has made the playoffs in eight straight seasons? That's they have an eight year. Good. I feel like when we talk about consistent playoff teams, we always talk Pittsburgh, Washington, uh, you know, Boston. I feel like Nashville, you know, probably because they well they had the one year they went to the cup, but they've been consistently good. Like, like you said, Dallas was kind of like they're in. Like they always feel like they're in one year out, one year like kind of in and out. Uh, the other three teams are Boston, Washington, Nashville have been fairly consistent. I'm going to say Boston. Interesting. I'm going to say Boston. I think, you know what? And I know, like, there was that one week in the in the summer where it was like every day you would open Twitter and like some Bruins player had hip surgery and was going to be out for, you know, three months to start the season. But I don't know. Bringing Dave Krejci back is good. Bergeron's back. I kind of think Jeremy Swayman's a pretty good goalie. Uh, I don't know. I, I Man, the Bruins have done, and I, and they they changed out their coach. Obviously, that's going to be an interesting thing to monitor with Montgomery in for Cassidy. But 
Boy, I don't know. I, I, I think that they've been so good, and you can say the same thing about Washington, but I don't know. Patrice Bergeron, I, when they're healthy, and Marshan will take a while, when they're, I still think if I had to win a game, Marshan, Bergeron, Pasternak might be the line I take. Might That's true. be. They're, they're in That's the conversation true. anyway. So, look, I, I think it's a great conversation. Love to hear from our listeners. You could pick one wildcard team from last year that you're very certain will make the playoffs again this year. Caps, Bruins, Stars, Preds. Who would you take? So hit us up there. Hit us up with the comments. Let us know your first NHL game you ever attended. Uh, you know, what, what Laz and I should put on the line for Dallas in New York, Monday Night Football. If you own any jerseys, we want to hear about that. <laughs> The most random list is a lot of work to do. Yeah, we, yeah, a lot of homework here on the Monday show. I love obscure random jerseys too. So it is something. Okay, this. I don't think I, I. You know, I don't even own a jersey. Not at all of any that like not even like a Dallas Cowboys Tony Romo jersey or nothing. Nothing. You have jerseys at least though, right? I don't. I you know, like I have jerseys from when I was a kid. Like not now. Now I don't like. I haven't bought or purchased a jersey. I don't know, 15 years. <laughs> I like, I can't see myself. Like if I went to a Cowboys game, I guess I would wear a Jersey. But the last one I think I have is like Julio Jones or not Julio Jones. Sorry. Julius Jones, the running back. Yes. I From remember like Julius the early two thousands. He was like, I don't know, 2005, something like that. You have no Jersey. I don't know. I, I mean, I have basketball jerseys. I have a bunch of soccer jerseys, uh, especially from the, the, but One you're cool. Club. You're young and cool. Like you could yeah. roll in somewhere wearing a basketball jersey. It would look fine. If I rolled in wearing a Steph Curry jersey somewhere, people would be like snickering. They were like, look at this guy. Look at this guy trying to act like he's in his 20s. You're not, you're not pulling up to the cookout wearing some kind of like. No. They'd be, they'd be like, hey, this guy's, they'd be like, this guy's lost on his way to the YMCA for like a <laughs> senior men's league pickup game. That's Clearly. why you got to wear a jersey. That's why you got to yeah, wear a jersey. Exactly. It's just like a basic t-shirt. Instead of trying too hard with a jersey, you just wear a shirt and it has like, I don't know, maybe the Romo name. on the back or something. It, that's yeah. it. it. And it's just a shirt. No one can judge you as hard if you do that. Yep. Done and done. I'm going to be purchasing a jersey at some point. I'm going to find I'm going to find a jersey for you to wear. Okay. We'll leave it there. Hey, this was a ton of fun. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating or review. We appreciate that. Subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That way you can get all the bonus content from our entire network. It's a 30-day free trial and then 99 cents a month after that. Not a subscriber with us at The Athletic? Great deal going on right now. It's a dollar a month, six months, when you visit theathletic.com slash podcast.